Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pixel Play podcast, the only podcast made in 37 countries, including, I don't know, some country in Skyrim, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm sure we're banned there, too. But uh, my it's name is scary. Adam, a.k.a. CS Radical. Joined by me, the illustrious Jin and Chris, the illustrious Kalen, a.k.a. I mean, it says Pixel Play cast on the YouTube version of it, but you know him as Catastrophe. <laughs> How's everybody doing on the last day of January, even though it is not the last day of January, it is the first day of February when the show airs, but how are we doing with uh, with one month into this year? Did, oh, I, a month? Oh. did I go to Bulk Barn and spend $80 on candy today? Maybe. That, is, that okay. is the most oh. adult thing I had a, you can do, is realize... I I don't need anybody to tell me yes or no. I am just going to go spend stupid money on candy. Oh, I could have used an adult. It was fine. But it's okay because I had a $5 off coupon when I spent 20 bucks. Did I also go to Baskin Robbins because today is July, uh, January 31st and you get 31% uh, off ice cream? Yes, I did. I am I living my best that was life right is now. Is that only on January 31st? It's on any month that ends on a 31st. You get, uh, they, they discount their tubs of ice cream. That's dangerous. That yeah. is, I did not know this. Thankfully, I don't know where a near, my nearest Baskin Robbins is, so thankfully that's not an issue right now. I'm living my best fat life, guys. It's great. And don't I get me drive. wrong. If I walk down a grocery store and there's just Ben and Jerry's on sale, I go, oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's when things get a little bit ugly. Okay, here's the real question, though. Where do you guys fall on chocolate mint? Mm, Depends on the chocolate I'd mint. If it's the only thing available and I'm somewhere like a party and that's there, I'll eat it. But if I'm going to buy my own ice cream, I'd rather just have chocolate. So Chris falls on social obligation and <laughs> and Adam is just on pure like quality. It really depends. Cause like there's so many chocolate mint ice creams that it's like, it's 99% mint and it's just too mm. strong. Whereas like I've had like legit, really good chocolate mint ice cream where it's more like chocolate mint swirl so it's not too overpowering that's my thing like i'm good with chocolate mint if it's not an overpowering mint but some of them especially with ice cream i find it's a lot easier to get one that's a little too minty and it just yeah. it just tastes like you're you know you're having cold toothpaste See, that's a better than hot too. toothpaste whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no so i love uh chocolate mint ice cream but i constantly get shamed by it for, for jen because she hates it so I, i'm but i like chocolate mint ice cream Man, or cookie dough. I, mean, I know. Cookie I know speaking I of Baskin Robbins, though, I know one year for one of my friends' birthdays, they got a chocolate mint ice cream cake from Baskin Robbins, and that I will say was the good kind of of chocolate mint because that shit was delicious. Yeah. So it I can be I'd done like well. Or in a cake form. Yeah. Something about the cake cake shape almost would just make it maybe more delicious. I mean, almost any chocolate bar that's mint that it doesn't really matter to fine. you. It doesn't really matter to you, Chris, because it'll be a social obligation. There's chocolate mint, and that's all that's there, and you feel pressured to eat it, so you'll eat it. It's not that I feel pressured. It's that I don't mind it, so I'll eat it if it's the only option. It's just if I have options, I'll probably go with something else. The option is don't eat it, so there are options. Oh, hell no. No, that's not an option. There's no <laughs> like, way. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to eat some ice cream, I guess. Yeah, I, if, I, it does not matter. If there is cake or ice cream somewhere, I am eating it. Yeah. 100%. Always. Same with the dessert. Where do you guys fall? Pie or cake? Ooh. Ooh, I like both. I like both. I'll probably, well. Wait. Right, wait, right now, cake. Pie. Right now it's cake, but that's because I'm craving cake because we're just saying the words cake. I, I was about but to I, think oh. cake, and then I went, wait, no. Pie isn't just cherry pies and that kind of, it isn't just fruit pies. It's meat pies. 
It's also cream pies. No, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Well, if you're talking like, desserts, then still, it's still. We're talking like, like a dessert pie versus like. Oh, a, then still pies. Yeah, because okay. like banana cream pie, fuck yeah. Steak and kidney was... pie is a dessert. Come on. <laughs> Anything's a dessert if you if you say it is. It's like, so what'd yeah. you have for dinner? Eh, I had like chicken parm. What'd you have for dessert? Steak and. and... <laughs> kidney Steak pie. And kidney pie. <laughs> What'd you have for dinner? Chicken parm. What'd you have for dessert? Also chicken parm. There's, there's, there's Chris's <laughs> Scottish heritage coming out full swing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's dessert, I say. <laughs> I mean, who are we to judge? Uh, no, I'm, it I'm would be a great idea, and I want to do this. I have to. Well, speaking of judging, we do have, have some to. judging to do on this show. Uh, there are a few things we want to talk about. Obviously, Xbox did. What we thought was going to be a showcase was... Still a showcase of sorts, but not exactly what we thought was going into. Obviously, they showed off a couple of games, and, you know, we have a review at the end of the show that includes one of the games that was just, you know, shadow-dropped into the ether in Hi-Fi Rush, which I will get to towards the end. But you had, like, Redfall, you had some Elder Scrolls Online content. Like, there was stuff there. But, I mean, I think we can all agree that going into when we knew that this was coming down, we didn't think it was going to be almost what felt like a developers meeting even though i know it was called developer yeah. direct but i don't think we thought we were getting powerpoint presentations level no so, go ahead go ahead i'm gonna be honest i had no expectations because i forgot this was happening until chris was like hey two minutes till this goes live and i'm like oh yeah so i had no expectations going in <laughs> yeah i mean don't I... get me wrong like the games that they showed off like pretty decent amount of stuff like you like again if you're a big minecraft guy minecraft legends is a big deal redfall is going to be something they're going to put a lot of heavy marketing into in the next couple of months as they gear up for may uh forza is always a big part of xbox consoles and then just like i said hi-fi rush that just kind of came out of nowhere and again we'll talk about later and even a little bit of elder scrolls online which you know they got to push because that's their big mmo they got to be pushing that as much as they can too so i mean in terms of the six games they showed off like it's content but I think a lot of us were also looking at that thinking like in the same boat that we're kind of with Sony where it's like, we just need like an hour and a half or like an hour special where it's just 25 things just thrown at us just so we can be like, this is what you're looking at for like a year or two. And it looks like we're still waiting for that. And it wasn't quite this. And it was a lot of talking. Yeah, that was my issue. I feel like the Xbox watched one of our episodes, obviously, of Pixel Play. And they heard us complain about a previous Direct, maybe Nintendo, maybe Sony's, where there wasn't enough gameplay shown. It was too cinematic, a quick trailer moved on, and it was like, we don't know what that game is, we can't be hyped. Xbox heard that and went, you know what, we have to double down on it. You know what, we have to quadruple down on that. We're going to show gameplay, and then we're going to talk for a straight hour about each game, and go so deep in it, we're going to show the code, basically, for the game to them. We're going to show them behind the scenes. We're going to show them where the restrooms are at the developer's office. We're going to do the whole thing. Because they just... Doug? Yeah, they just... <laughs> exactly. They just went, like, so hard. And it just went so long with so much talking. I was like, okay, we can go to the next game now. Like, we saw some of the gameplay and that was nice. Like I did appreciate that there was gameplay and not just like, Oh, here's a trailer and move on where it's all cinematic. But I mean, to have that much discussion from the developers about each game, they could have shown 25 games with gameplay in the amount of time they showed us six. And I was getting bored. Like I would yeah, come like back, but 
when one new game would come back, I'd get excited and like finally a new game. And like three minutes into it, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like take a nap and I'll wake up for the next one. Yeah. Like this is the kind of video that you put after you do the main showcase. Cause we always see it all the time. Like state of play or not state of play. Um, I think summer game fest would always do that where they'd have like their showcase and then there'd be a post show where it would just be more like interviews and stuff like that. Yes. And I think that's kind of what this felt like. It felt like what you see after the main showcase because it's just a little bit more talking about it. And it's more like the developers like giving you insights of what they were doing and how the process of things were. And and instead, this is just all we got. We got, you know, the not part of it where there wasn't just the flurry of trailers or like the announcements or, you know, the odd like random guests, like the Muppets showing up randomly like they seem to a lot in these things these days. Like none of that was there. It was just... And again, don't get me wrong, the games that they showed off, like, I'm interested in most of them. So it's not like they didn't do, you know, a you know a bad job of getting me, like, hyped up for games that are coming soon, because most of these games are coming shortly. So it's still, there's still a hype there, but it definitely, it droned on enough that it kind of took away, like, at least the enjoyment of, of, like, the actual content itself. 100%. Yeah, they should have made this much shorter. For me, like, the issue, like, the issue I have with this is, like, it was a good conference overall. Like, I think the fact that they stealth dropped, like, Hi-Fi Rush was amazing. Like, seeing the gameplay for Redfall was cool, whatever. Elder Scrolls, I don't really know. Like, I don't, it was kind of a good reminder, like, hey, Elder Scrolls is here and it's free on Game Pass. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, that might be something worth checking out. I thought the coolest thing that they had there was Minecraft Legends. That was the one that was kind of, like, neat. Like, I, I'd play this. But I don't know. For me, like, it wasn't interesting in the sense that, like, we've seen all like the only one that was a surprise for us was hi-fi rush which was once again great that they dropped it as a as a free well not free but like stealth dropped it that day but like what is microsoft doing with this because we're seeing the same five games like i'm surprised that um what the heck is it but the, the other business game the big one oh, interstellar starfield? I remember. starfield starfield thank you like i'm surprised that one wasn't there like that's their big flagship but it also brings the question like what are all the microsoft studios doing like I feel like there's a lot of stagnation. There's like not a lot of games. Like we're three years into these new consoles and we're seeing the same games that we saw pretty much at the release of this, of this console. So like, I feel like they're Microsoft has an issue that they don't have a lot of games when compared to Sony and we're seeing the same ones coming out and out. Like it's neat seeing it, but there was nothing new here for us. And I, I thought that was kind of disappointing. I figured they'd have like, Hey, here's something that's coming down the pipe. Um, maybe like next year or at the end of this year, but it was weird that we didn't see that considering that red, both Redfall and, um, oh my God, the names escaped me again. Starfield. Starfield. Thank you. <clears throat> the fact that Starfield and, and Redfall were supposed to already be released by now. And they're still just bringing those out and showing us. It's like, where's the new stuff? What, what else is coming down the pipe? What are you guys working on? Yeah. There's so like... many studios too. You're right. That Xbox owns. So then, what are they all doing? Because we don't, we haven't heard from a lot of them for a few years. It feels like at this point, because it's just the same few games on repeat. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, aside we from Forza, like I think the the theme was that this is all what's coming out in the next like six months. Because aside from Forza, unless uh, I don't know about the Elder Scrolls one, I'm just looking here. It's it's in June, and then Forza is supposed to be out sometime this year. But the everything else in here was before like June. So, like, other than Forza, everything is within this half of the year. So I think there was just a, a probably a theme of just, hey, let's just throw out a bunch of stuff that we know is coming out soon. Because Hi-Fi Rush obviously just got dropped. 
Minecraft Legends, I believe, is for March. Redfall is in May. And like I said, uh, The Elder Scrolls is going to be in June, and then Forza is who knows. But like I think the theme is kind of like what State of Play does a little bit now, where they just kind of throw like, hey, here's what's coming up in the, in the not-too-distant future, so you guys get a heads-up on what's happening. That would be my guess. That's probably why you didn't see like a star feel, or you didn't see potentially, you know, whatever, you know, might be going on in some of their other big franchises, or maybe like if there's anything going on with Gears or Halo or anything like that. Like, I think a part of it was just, hey, let's get a small amount of stuff that we know is immediate, and then, you know, we'll plan the next one maybe in April or whatever the, their next idea to do one of these things is. I just feel like Microsoft hasn't convinced me enough that they have enough games coming out for them to have this, like, this idea of, hey, we're just going to show you what's coming out in six months. Like, I think you need to show well, me a little bit more than that. They also could have, like, advertised, they could even just drop, like, random trailers of games that are coming on Game Pass. Because, I mean, obviously, Atomic Heart next month. We have uh, Wulong um, something Dynasty. I think Fallen Dynasty it is. But, like, yeah, you have, like, yeah, so. there are games that they've already announced for the service that they could simply just show trailers for. They could even, if they really wanted to, since GoldenEye just dropped on it, they could drop a quick trailer in that showcase and just be like, hey, look what's also on Game Pass recently. But, I don't know, this is the kind of weird decision they made with this one. I'm not... Like, if you're, like, super into, like, the actual back end of the... Like, if you're trying to get a more behind-the-scenes look of what's going on, I'm sure that was probably interesting for you. But for a casual audience, like, we just wanted to see trailers and a little bit of gameplay just to know what we're getting into. Whereas this was that plus, like, another 40 minutes of stuff. Yeah. This felt very much like an EA-style E3 presentation where it's, we're going to go way too in-depth on stuff you don't care about, like... I mean, I know that there's probably a market for Forza, but like on that Venn diagram of people who watch these conferences and people who play like Forza, how much of that is in the middle where they're both here? Like, I feel like that's a situation that, you know, you probably don't need to go that in depth into Forza. The people who play Forza are going to buy Forza no matter what. You're not going to convince anyone who's here to play Minecraft. Oh, man, look at the science on the rock physics. Like, I'm in, right? <laughs> They're telling me that it's you're telling me that you're telling me that it's one for one. Oh, man, I'm in now. Like, I feel like that's one of those games you're either going to buy it or not. And very rarely is there something you can say that it's going to bring new people in. Yeah, but we know Xbox enough to know that they can't go one, you know, conference without showing off of anything Forza related because they got to show you just how amazing the cars look in, in, in the new graphics engine that they've developed again, which, yeah. again, don't get me wrong. It does look fucking great. But at the same time, it's like, we know they're fancy. It's, it's really realistic looking cars. We've been doing this since Gran Turismo 1. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love how they were explaining the like realistic dirt physics, uh, like how it hits the car and the spots where dirt won't be because it doesn't make for like make sense with the aerodynamics of the car and everything. And it's like, that's amazing. But then once you're playing the game, you'll never notice that. Like, oh. you're not going to be able to see. It's more like that's realistic... amazing, but you could have just put a separate trailer in for those to watch <laughs> later and not spend like 10 minutes on this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get tunnel vision and just look at the ass of my car as it drives. Yeah. You won't, you won't do well in the races, but you'll look at those dirt physics <laughs> and you're going to see them now. And you're <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the trailer right now. That's some nice grass. God, <laughs> that is nice. Damn. Yeah. That's some nice grass. No, I'm just, whatever. <laughs> I am surprised they didn't include Goldeneye in here. Only because this conference was like Wednesday or Thursday last week and Goldeneye dropped on Friday. Like mm -hmm. you'd think that there would have been some sort of just inclusion 
of a quick little like, hey, what's Rare been up to? Who cares? They put Goldeneye on on here. That's all you want. You're all going to play it for only 10 minutes just because you want the nostalgia, but here it is. And they just didn't include it. I, w- I was so surprised that it just got like announced on Twitter. Like just, oh yeah, it's on Friday. Like, oh. Yeah. Cool. You just, like it you wasn't just a- did the big thing, you know? It wasn't a bad conference, I thought. Like, I wouldn't say this is bad by any means, but I just, it's middle of the road. Like, it had some good highs. Like I said, I, I thought the Minecraft thing was fun. Like, that kind of sold me on it a little bit. Like, like an RTS kind of game with friends that you can play. Like, yeah, I was not on board with that game, but now I kind of am. The Hi-Fi Rush was cool, and the fact that it dropped. Redfall, whatever. It looks fine. I mean, it seems like a media, like, it seems like a $40 kind of game. Like, I don't know doesn't have that huge AAA vibe that I would expect from a flagship like that, but I'm not the target audience, so I don't care. But yeah, like, and this is one of the things I said is like, I kind of feel like none of these games with the exception of Forza, and it's only because of the amazing, you know, water, you know, physics off the car's hood. None of them really commanded like a, Hey, this is a top tier AAA game that demands your attention and your money. Right? Like, I think that, and I was talking with one of our listener listeners on the Discord, and I was saying, like, I feel like the fact that, yeah, these might be made by AAA studios, but they don't have that high polish that PlayStation does, where it's like, yeah, that's a game I need to play, and I'm willing to pay full price day one to play it. It's kind of like, oh, cool, it's coming to Game Pass. I'll probably check it out at some point. Like, that's how I feel about Minecraft. That's how I felt about Hi-Fi Rush. Redfall, it's like, yeah, if it's on Game Pass, yeah, why not? I've got nothing to lose, but nothing there was like, I need this now. Is that just me? Yeah, it's not like when you watch, say, like, you know, a Sony State of Play. I mean, the one every year that actually has something that's worth watching, but, you know. The showcase. Like, yeah, like, you know, when, when you see some of these things or, like, when Summer Game Fest does it or the Game Awards and there's, like, that one trailer you go, I'm so fucking in on that. Like, hmm. if I, like, when I watched the Hi-Fi Rush trailer, I went, that looks really, really cool. Maybe I'll try that on Game Pass. My brain didn't go, oh, yeah, I totally freaking spend money on that. Like, hmm. And I wonder if that's maybe just an internal thing in my brain, because now that I know Game Pass exists, I don't think about the buying word anymore. Whereas hmm. with Sony, I obviously go, well, I guess that's something I'll have to consider, you know, buying or my brain goes, eh, maybe I'll buy that like a few months later if it drops like 20 bucks or something. Because it's not like I'm sitting there being like, oh, yeah, that'll be on extra. Like, no, probably won't be not for a while. So I yeah. still have to think in that way. Same with like if any Nintendo game gets announced, you're thinking, well, OK, I guess I'll have to think about saving money for that at some point. Xbox, you basically just go. All right, I'll look forward to that when that drops on Game Pass. Which again, as a co- as a consumer, that sounds fucking great because now you don't even have to think about it. You're just like, yeah, I've got this monthly thing. I don't have to think about. You know, when it's time to release, I'll go give it a shot. Yeah, I I definitely think the same. The only game I would say probably will feel like a AAA title to me is Forza, only because Microsoft does put a lot of its money and effort into like that kind of franchise, like Forza Horizon, Forza Motorsport. But I mean, it's going to feel AAA in the same way that Gran Turismo on PS5, I assume, feels. Because like you just talked about, Adam, I haven't dropped money on it yet because it's not on a subscription service and I'm kind of just waiting till it's the correct price. Um, but it, like, they, I think that those two, like they're good comparisons. They'll feel AAA, but again, they're just racing games. So they'll only feel as AAA as racing games kind of go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like know. unless you're deep into that territory, you're just like, oh, it's the it's the really pretty car game again. All right, I'll probably check yeah. that out if it's cheap or in this case, I'll maybe mess around with it for a few hours in Game Pass and maybe I'll get hooked on it for like a week and then I'll go do something else. Yeah, 
hundred. I guess, my ter- I guess my terminology of saying like it's not worth spending is just maybe that wasn't the way to say it, but like there was no moment where I was like hype. There was no get hype aspect to it where oh man, have you like I'm gonna be talking about this for with my friends for a while and stuff like it all kind of like came and went and nothing within it was like, Oh man, like I need to play it. Yeah. And I, I feel like think... even hi-fi rush, hi-fi rush were, were, gets the publicity only because it stealth dropped. Like, is it a good yes. game? Yeah. Like we'll find out when Adam gives his review, but I think the coolest aspect of hi-fi rush is that, Hey, here's a game that we showed you and it's ready to play now. And it looked cool, but it wasn't like a, Oh man, I need to play this. Like I need to drop what I'm doing. I play it right now. It's like, cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, and I think that was a genius marketing thing on their end. I think they knew if they released that and like tried to build hype over it over time, it wouldn't have kept because it does feel like a $40, $50 game at most. Hmm. Um, like probably a very good game, but still not like some God of War game that you can announce a year in advance and people are going to keep hype for it. Hmm. So by doing this stealth drop, it actually increases the hype exponentially just because it's like, boom, here it is out of nowhere. Oh, that looks like fun. There's nothing really else to play right now. Let's go do that. Like, have you played that new game that stealth dropped today? Like, I think that really helped with hyping it up without actually, you know, going the normal route, which probably wouldn't have worked. Yeah, and apparently the like, story goes too that like, even within the company, that's kind of how it was. Like, there, I think it was IGN that put the story out that, like it was it was going viral within Microsoft. So because of how like when people were starting to see it, they're like, holy shit, that looks really good. They kind of got the idea that, you know what, let's just stealth drop it and see what happens. Cause like if this is the reaction we're getting like within the company, what'll be what'll it be like when we just drop that on Game Pass on people? Yeah. And I mean and- it's even showing like it's I think in the last week on Steam, it was in the top ten for sure. I think it was like seventh or eighth on Steam yeah. in the in its first week. So that's pretty impressive too. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. selling really well on there, apparently. And word of mouth is going to spread because, I mean, a lot of people are saying very good things about it. So it's, and that's the kind of thing, too, that it works to your advantage if the game ends up being as good as what Hi Fi Rush is to a lot of people. Where if you drop that suddenly and you just throw out a trailer like they did in this, you know, developer direct uh, conference there, then it does work wonders. Now, if that game fell on its ass, it wouldn't, it would just be another story of, hey, this is what happens when, you know, you don't put any more sort of marketing around it and no one knows what it's looking at. But I think with the kind of game that that was, like, that was foolproof. Like, it's a very quirky game. It's pretty easy to understand right away what you're walking into. You could stealth drop that, and I think people would know right away whether they were going to like that or not. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But I think it just all ties together, too, with, like, because we're in this stage, and this is going to tie into our next topic anyway, talking about E3, because the big three aren't going to be there. The big three are not going to be at E3, so some people are jokingly calling it E0 now. Um... <laughs> So, I haven't heard that yet. But like, That's it, good. It, really, it really does bring up the idea that what is the right way to do these conferences now? Because we have this where we were really bored by it. And then we have E3, but some people say like, it's a lot for in, in so many days, it just ends up coming over the top. And we talked about Summer Game Fest before on the show, but how, you know, the way that was formatted doesn't work. So like, what do you guys think is, is the right way to be doing these shows? Like, or is it maybe just this thing of like, there's never truly a right way because there's going to be different audiences that, it, that are attracted to different types. I mean, that is very true. There's going to be, everybody's going to have their preferred way. Some people will love the Xbox showcase that just happened because they love all that extra info. They're the people that would stick around after um, games, summer games fest or whatever to watch all those interviews. Um I think that it's coming down to a business perspective right now, why they're doing it. Uh, I think they're going to go the more 
Nintendo Direct, Sony State of Play or Showcase, Xbox, whatever Direct. I think they're all kind of going that way because it's easier and cheaper for them because they're not flying out to LA, having to set up this stage and all of this crazy you stuff. Don't, you don't have to buy a McLaren F1 and bring it to the showroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was mine. I let them borrow it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just easier. They can just be back at the office and be like, hey, that team of four, you know, Gen Z workers that we have, we need like one of those cool YouTube videos that you guys can do. Can you pull that off? And they're like, yeah, we'll have it done, you know, in a week. Just give us the clips of the games. And each developer gives their trailer or whatever, and they just kind of put it together. Like the Nintendo Directs, besides the guy doing the voice work, like there's very little in the way of like extra needed. Like there's a guy narrating and then it's just like, here's a trailer, here's a trailer, here's a pun about the next game. Here's a trailer. Yeah, there's more trailer. work going on in probably Adobe After Effects doing all the animations for in between yeah. in between the trailers than anything else. But I've become so accustomed to it that I don't know if I want Nintendo to do anything else because they'll be like, hey, here's your Nintendo Direct. It's happening, you know, February 1st. You know, there's going to be a bunch of games and they've proven exactly how they're going to do it. It's going to be a bunch of games with trailers, usually with gameplay. And it's just like 25, here you go. This is what you got to look forward for the next four months. And I can just ingest that in an hour and take off. And I do really like it. Though I also admit, I do miss the Sony and Xbox showcases that they would do, like their conferences at E3. They were usually amazing. Minus the fake people at the front that were hired to clap. They were over the top and annoying. Oh my God. Yeah, Bethesda and Ubisoft. <laughs> Yeah, especially. All I always think of is this one Ubisoft E3 presentation. I don't even remember what year it is. I just remember the people clapping like it was the hardest stuff they've ever seen in their life. And it was like... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the last one. <laughs> God, it was brutal. That That's always been brutal. But the actual show and presentation usually, especially with Sony and Microsoft, they used to do really well. Um, you know, like Keanu Reeves isn't going to walk out now to like a developer direct or whatever. So now who's going to now how are we going to get Keanu Reeves on stage? You know what I mean? Like I think that's the real loss here at E0. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think I mean like who has money to host an E3 conference in this economy? That's like one of the things right there. But like why would they? Like if you think of it from all the perspectives, Xbox doesn't benefit from it in the sense that Xbox, no offense, the last their last few times have been dunked on by other parties. So like why would they go to it? Uh Nintendo has kind of been playing in its own little corner, ignoring E3 and just doing its own thing. And it works for them. And Sony basically can just say, we're doing this and everyone comes to it. So they don't need to have the hype of E3 around them. So like none of them benefit from going to E3. And so, but there's also the risk, like we've seen situations where things like mess up and they don't look like we've seen all those like gifts of, of, E3 conferences that sucked or that didn't go well or that, you know, you have got the waggle remotes and they don't work well. Like going live is a lot more risky than it is to just pre-record something until it works. Right. So kind of makes sense of why they did it to answer Adam's second question. Like how should they do it? I think Sony was kind of on the right track and even Xbox did it really well uh, last year where I think what I would do is if I was them, I'd pick a time of year make it consistent, like consistently every year. So you can expect it that we are going to drop our massive, you know, showcase of what's coming up in the next year, the next 18 months, whatever. This is where it's going to be that hour and a half, two hour presentation, maybe an hour presentation, all the big games, all the big announcements, yada, 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 you know, to expect it. That's the big one. And then 
sprinkle over throughout the year a state of play kind of thing where it's hey here's what's coming up in the next month the next six weeks like we're we're not going to be doing big reveals we're just going to be kind of keeping you updated of what's coming down the pipe here's what the next games are for for playstation plus here here's the games that are getting released this month here's some in-depth thing and just be clear don't have any surprises or anything just be like here's the games we're talking about if you want to learn more about them great if not don't join this one and then you'll know that june july december whenever they do it that's going to be the big one where the big announcements are going to happen yeah if they like name like okay if let's say it's the example like they do one per month for whatever is coming on their service like their big thing or or if they want to do deep like if they call like if it's state of play for sony and then they call Mm. i don't know like the playstation showcase like whatever it Mm. is like playstation experience whatever it may be Mm. if they would just do that and be and like you said be consistent on the one big one the experience when to and expect I think it, people would like, chill yeah. a little bit more because they know, okay, this isn't this yet. It's not September or whatever month that they pick to do it in. So we're not getting the big dump yet. This is just what's coming up in the next like like month like month to like two, I guess. Like it's just more of like a look of like the indie games that are popping up there that we normally wouldn't get much of a look at. Like if mm. we did it like that, I think that would be the best of both worlds because then you know like in the same way that we used to think about E3 every when did it used to be june i think it's like that's how long it's been i forgot but like we knew that whenever e3 was coming we knew that okay well microsoft's gonna be there nintendo's gonna be there sony's gonna be there ea we know that they're gonna bring the heavy hitters there's gonna be some big surprises there's gonna be something whereas now we don't have any idea when anything's happening so i think i think that's Mm -hmm. the one thing like as we move on to the e3 conversation as well like if this ends up being the swan song of E3, that's the one thing that I'm sad about is the fact that we don't have a concrete date where we know the big stuff is going to be there. You know, in the same way that as yeah. a wrestling fan, I love the Royal Rumble when it comes out because it just happened last weekend. I know ahead of time, January, Royal Rumble, that's where you're going to get 30 guys in the ring. You might have a couple cool surprises. That's when you get excited for because that's the one pay-per-view where you know something random might happen. E3 is the same way for gamers. You, you know that it's the big show and you know that something surprising is going to happen. You don't know what you have an idea of what could be, but you don't know what specifically. And you're excited for just for that. It's always the hype of not knowing what it's going to be. And the problem with the way things are now is that there's a hype of not knowing what there's going to be every time there's one of these conferences, except every single time it ends up being underwhelming because it's not the big one because everybody keeps thinking, well, maybe this state of play is going to be the one where they show off the last of us multiplayer and it goes another state of play where it doesn't happen. So I think like with E3 now losing the big three and with the way that things currently are, you know, as much as we've made jokes on the show about E3 being a waste for so long and like, why won't somebody just take it around back and shoot it at the same time, because of what it's kind of caused with, I know Kalen, you've had your problems with Jeff Keighley summer game fest, the way that they've done that. And with the way that like, I know a lot of gamers hated the state of plays. It's a joke for so long about how the state of plays were just underwhelming every single time and i think we're just looking for essentially we want to know like when to expect the e3 level conference i think that's what's kind of missing now is we're waiting for the big one and we don't know what that looks like because they never they never advertise it as such they just say hey we're doing a stream all of a sudden you'll find out a week later there's a stream coming and you're like oh i wonder what's going to happen there and then by the end of it you're like that's it yeah i think that if nintendo Microsoft and Sony was smart. The three of them just to get along for just this little bit. If they did this, I think it'd be genius. The three of them could just quickly talk 
and come up with like one weekend in June and they're like, listen, we're doing our reveals then. Normally there was E3. Obviously it's better this way. What if we all did ours at the same time? Will they actually do it? Obviously, maybe not because there's all the competition and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but somebody I mean, would, break, am- would break rank and just go a week earlier just to kind of mess with it. Yeah. But how amazing would it be if it was like this one week in June and you knew that Ubisoft and EA, Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, and Sony, they're going to drop their big showcase. Like, sure, it's these at-home or whatever, however they're filmed, you know, directs. But if they came together and actually just talked and came up with like an actual time that they're all going to kind of do that release because yeah, obviously that's maybe not great for competition, but also takes the pressure off of having to keep like, all right, when are we going to do it? When's the hype for this one? When's Nintendo doing theirs? When Sony's doing theirs? It's like, well, they're doing it in that week of June. We've already talked about it. Everybody's doing it there. So we know what people ready for it. It's very easy to get the crowd, like get the articles writing, get the, get the energy pumping. Whereas it's a constant, like, up and down of where everybody's at because they're not really sure what's going on. Yeah. And if Jeff Keighley was a genius, he would stop doing what he's doing with Summer Game Fest and just go talk to them. Well, I think that's what he was trying to do originally during COVID. And then obviously, as soon as things started getting back to normal again, everybody broke off. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the thing is, and you guys are both kind of talking about it, is like that consistent and predictability. And, and I don't think they necessarily have to do it all together, but if you knew that, and PlayStation was doing this for a little while with their PlayStation experience where you knew December was sort of when they did the big showcase, the big reveals. And then I've been very much a big proponent that they need to bring that back. But like, if Sony's like, hey, we've got December, that's when we're doing it. Nintendo and Xbox would be smart to be like, okay, we're not doing ours in December. So theirs might become, hey, we're going to do July, or sorry, January. Xbox is like January thing. Like, hey, new year, new games. Here's what's coming down the pipe. Even if it's a month apart, that's not going dist- to like overlap too much. Like the way that the, the new cycle goes. And then Nintendo's like, okay, you guys are doing that? Great. We're going to do a summer clubhouse. Like we're going to do ours in the summer. I mean, I don't think Nintendo has enough games to do a yearly conference like this. But I think it's just that idea of here's predictability. Here's the big show that you're like, you're going to get the big announcements. This is what you get excited for. And then just trickle it throughout the years. Like we've said, it's, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of money or a lot of effort to make these. I'm sure there's probably a lot of back deals in terms of getting developers and stuff. But if you make it for stuff that's coming out, those scissor reels, those like demos should already be ready to go. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Seems what you like were describing, Chris, just sounds like E3. <laughs> yeah, I just I want them all together doing presentations. The... Yeah, yeah it's... just not like, just do your videos and make it on the same weekend so I have something to do. Yeah, like it's I the idea that, that like we, we want what like the press conferences of E3 are, but we also like we know that E3 as we know it is done at this point. Like it I would be shot like E3 might become something else, but it's not gonna be the E3 that we remember. It might just become like what a PAX is now. Which I think that's what they should do. Yeah, honestly, that'd probably be the for the best. Like if they just turn it into like, you know, a, just a gaming festival where I'm sure, like, I'm sure if they didn't end up being it like the way that it is or the way that we always expect it to, if they just say, like, hey, we're just, if you want to put a booth in, I'm sure Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony would come back and just spend the small amount of money just to get a small area where they're just like, hey, here's the new Horizon expansion if you want to try. Like, like just anything that they could do just to get some buzz when they're getting ready for what's coming out in, like, the next few months. Like, I think it would be think- much better if it was kind of like, obviously, you know, actually, Caitlin, have you gone to EGLX in Toronto before? Uh, I went once, yeah. Yeah, so, like, like you get the idea of, like, on a small scale with it. It's like, you get that, but, I mean, even Nintendo shows up to those things. So, like, you could definitely have one in frickin' California. It's not that hard to find a bunch of people that are going to want to go into the L.A. area to do something. 
and just have like it doesn't have to be the marquee like massive stage that we see at e3 like you can have a big section for sony where it's just hey here's the next uncharted or here's the next new ip that so and so is coming out with you have like maybe three or four things and that's all you got and then you got ea in one corner and there's their three or four things there's microsoft with their things and then there's i don't know like arc systems works is just sitting on their own and there's their new guilty gear somewhere or there's you know uh epic games is like oh here's just here's just fortnite for some reason because fortnite's always got to be somewhere but like I don't think that's difficult to do, but I think it's the problem of getting them all under one banner because the amount of agreements that have to go hand in hand with, like, I can only imagine how friggin' complicated E3 was at first to even start up the way that, you know, it became as we know it. And I can't imagine, like, with everything kind of segmenting the way that it is now, how you get that all back together. It's a chicken and the egg situation. I think, like, if you start getting the people to come to the, like, if you start getting a lot of consumers and journalists coming to that, and the other developers are going to come, but are people going to come if there's none of the publishers there? So it's a chicken and the egg. And then, like, that's the, that's the million dollar question that E3 has to figure out is how do we get eyes on us? And I think before they used to rely on the developers and the publishers to get the eyes on them. And now they need to get the publishers and developers to look at them and say, we want to be there. And I think that is getting the consumer there. Like make like the thing we don't have here in North America is we don't have a Gamescom. Right, like they have Gamescom out in Europe, and that that gets developers and people going. Even Paris Game Weeks, Tokyo Game Show, like they have those, and we don't have that here. We have like PAX, but I don't feel like correct me if I'm wrong, but PAX has never been a, exclusively like a video game. It's just a general. No, it's a pop culture geek. thing. I mean, most of the time yeah. for gaming too, it's more indie as well. Like there are like bigger publishers that'll show up there and do stuff, but it's not like obviously it's not like Sony has a gigantic booth like you would expect at a Gamescom. But maybe that's what you do is if I'm E3, maybe I the revenue source doesn't become from developers and publishers paying to come to our thing, but rather our revenue source is from fans paying admission and we pay developers and publishers to come to our show. Right. If I said, hey, Sony, I'll cut you a check for a couple hundred thousand, maybe a million for you to come to our show, then suddenly PlayStation's there. Well, then maybe Xbox is like, hey, we want to get on this, too. Right. So the revenue stream becomes the fans. And that revenue then goes towards getting big names in the same way. I, and I'm no fan expo comic-con. Like I assume that's how comic-con works. Like you pay mm -hmm. the people to come to your show and they bring asses into the seats. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And yeah, you'll go in, even in Toronto, which is not a big deal. It's not a big comic-con. It's not a big fan expo compared to like California and stuff where obviously the big <laughs> ones really happen. And there'll be a giant Nintendo booth a giant mm -hmm. Ubisoft booth booth where it's just they've set up all these demos, got a couple statues, collectibles and stuff out to like make it look nice. But it's more about like, hey, we've got Assassin's Creed running on a PC, an Xbox, a PlayStation, and a Switch. And there's demos everywhere. Come come try it. Yeah, come, come stand in line for two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, they should also figure hey, that out. But <laughs> it's true. Like I used to I used to like take the Friday off every every week before like Fan Expo and I'd go on the Friday to just to check it out. And I'm paying to go see. I'm paying for that experience. I'm buying merch from them like making money yeah and i think that's what e3 needs to look at doing like become a fan show i get the I sense that's probably where they'll lean anyway because i mean read pop is literally the people that run packs if i'm not mistaken so like hmm. i'm sure that they're, especially with the big three leaving i'm sure they're gonna be looking at, at what they have now and being like all right what can we do and honestly that's probably the best thing moving forward because i can't imagine anything else really at this point working because right now yeah. like 
press conferences can be done way cheaper. Publishers are not going to suddenly like bring everybody over, have this massive stage that they got to put together and just do all this extra work when they could literally just record a video and it's so much easier on them. So like, I don't think we're ever going to get back to this again. So I think that honestly, like the convention level is going to be the e- the easiest way to make this work. Like you might still be I able just, to have a conference or two somewhere, but it's not going to be on the same grandiose stage anymore. I just hate to go there and it's just booth after fucking booth just selling Funko Pops. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I could imagine <laughs> Jeff Keighley having a show within this thing where he's like, hey, here's the E3 game fest. And just, well, just think about it. Like, and Keanu Reeves shows up and then also, uh, you know, friggin', um, Oh my God. Hideo Kojima just shows up and does his random thing too. Like, I'm sure that they could easily do that. Like that's his summer game awards. That's his little well, thing where he sits together. And he's like, awards. Here's all the people that I've made connections with over the years that just randomly say random stuff on my show. <laughs> Why <Here's> not? My <laughs> friends. <laughs> Why not? He does it for Gamescom. Like if you said, Hey, we got a North American one. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's the same thing every time. How much you paying? All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, th- I think overall, I think I think we all agree that like it's sad that E3 is gone essentially from what it used to be because I do miss the old moments of like, you know, knowing okay, you know, you got Nintendo at the end of the at the end of it, but you got Sony usually or Microsoft usually kicking it off. Then you'll get Sony later on in the weekend. You get to see EA completely shit itself because it always does because it has to do like spend like ten minutes about how good the sports games are doing. You know, so like yeah. you get the same stuff. Ubisoft has to have its weird just dance five minute dance number. Like it's oh, gonna be weird yeah. not having that. Yeah. I like that e- was it EA that just got so pissed off they're like, screw you, we're just gonna go hang out in the parking lot. They just did their oh, show in the parking lot. Yeah, one of them did was it EA? I think it may have been. It might have I can't remember. I know what you're I talking were... about though. Yeah, that was funny. And then oh. Sony just decides to do something weird, like, hey, we're just gonna be in a tent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're just doing everything to just not pay e3 they're like listen we want to be here we're not paying you we're the ones bringing in people we're just we'll be in the parking lot we're gonna tailgate i mean that makes sense they make madden if it was ea do a ea madden tailgate that's actually genius marketing no ea i'm available if you want more ideas (laughs) all right ea here's your idea make people spend more on ultimate team pay me Works like, every time. We already thought of that. <laughs> Guys, we've been reminiscing about the glory days of E3. Uh, I wanted to bring up another topic for you guys. Uh, as Chris mentioned, GoldenEye, uh, the original N64 game, got stealth released. Uh, or not stealth released. I guess it kind of got released to not much news or fanfare, but it got released on, on Friday. Uh, that same day, I think, also Dead Space got released. So we have a couple of classic games being remastered, re-released. And I haven't had a chance to play Dead Space. From what I understand about that game, it's fantastic. I am excited to play it. I've never played it before. So really excited to get into that one. But from what I understand, it is some quality of life improvements. They've changed elements of the game and the story to kind of make it more exciting. I guess there used to be like an asteroid aspect that used to, that sucked. Dump that. Like they made some quality of life. They said like, hey, I understand that there's aspects of the game that weren't perfect. We've changed it, made it better. Great. On the other side, we've got GoldenEye, which is a remaster. So it's not fair to say that they're one for one, but I would say that the remaster is pretty much an exact copy of GoldenEye. And 
it's fun to kind of go back and do it from a for a nostalgia trip but i don't know if that game is necessarily fun in and of itself like i think it's fun in the sense that it's bringing me back to when i was a kid i know where all the guys are this is the game i remember but it doesn't hold up in 2023 as it like if you're a kid and you've never played Goldeneye before, I don't think you're going to like it. I think if you're a 30-year-old person like like we are here, you're going to be like, this is awesome. But this raises the question of, when it comes to remasters and remakes, how much do you have to stick to the original game? What, what, what do you guys fall? Is it better to make quality of life improvements and make it maybe not follow what the original game was? Or is it better to keep it as is? I think it's a twofold. I think, like, obviously with what we've seen with the Dead Space remake, like, they've done a fantastic job of taking the original game and just, hey, it looks better, it plays better, and they've gotten rid of some of the things that people really didn't like in the original. So, like, they did everything that you're supposed to do. Final Fantasy VII Remake, same story. It looks amazing. They updated the things that, you know, haven't aged as well. Like, they've obviously added more to it, too. Like, there's, it's a bit of both, right? Sometimes it's good to add on to it. I know the 7 Remake technically isn't, you know, a faithful recreation of the original game because it deviates from the original storyline. But, like, Dead Space Remake, you know, the way that they've done that seems like that's a pretty good testament of how to do it, you know, that way from just, you know, you're taking the original game, you're making it prettier, you're adding things into it, quality of life adjustments, like you said, to kind of really bring it together and then you're just doing a couple of things that are completely changing what the original game was because you know that there were things that you did wrong and then you have i think there are ways to do something like goldeneye for example and you don't have to sacrifice you know all this extra budget money to make it better like there is a simple mod that you can get if you can emulate the original n64 rom to play with a mouse and keyboard and to me, if they just released Goldeneye with mouse and keyboard, that would be more than enough because that would just at least the aiming is fixed because as everybody knows, N64 shooters didn't exactly control good. Like, don't get me wrong, Perfect Dark is still an amazing game even today. But you compare it to first-person shooters now, it doesn't control the way you'd like it to. But you put a mouse and keyboard on that, well, that's pretty sweet. I, I like to me the graphics don't mean shit like i'm okay with goldeneye or perfect dark the way that they look it's not exactly aging well but i don't think it's so bad that like i can't play it anymore but it's always the controls that make it bad like to me like the way that it's just stickier compared to like how the fluency of games now i think that's where the issue comes in so like i think it's a bit of both i think there are very small things you can do to something like that and not have to completely revamp the system but at the same time, too, I think also, like, again, with Dead Space, that you can do just that, and it works wonders. I don't think there's a necessarily a right answer. It's just how you go about which path you choose. Yeah, I'd have to agree with pretty much everything Adam just said. I think it's also, like, when it comes to a remake versus a remaster, when it comes to remasters, I have very little expectations with, like, graphics and stuff like that. It's more just if the game was four by three and like 240p when it came out like upgrade it just visually you can keep the textures and everything pretty close to the same just you know up them to 4k if they're polygons whatever it's fine it's a remaster you're not expecting a whole new game just update it so it works with modern day tvs or screens um but uh, when it comes to remasters it's fully those those quality of life improvements that i think are important and needed 
because just re-releasing a game, it, it's not even a remaster. All you've done is emulated your old game to a current platform where it can be played. But like, if you take um, old Final Fantasy games, a lot of them have been re-released as remasters, and it's again just been you know they used to be 720p, now they're 4K. But they have certain quality of life things like the battles that are very slow. There's a fast forward button. So you can choose your attacks and fast forward because you've played it 15 times. You do these battles a million times, you know, so that one little quality of life improvement makes a huge, huge deal. Um, when it comes to the GoldenEye remaster that just came out, I got a chance to play the Switch version and also the Xbox version. The Switch version is just the emulated game. It's just emulated, put on the Switch, and they have their N64 online library, whatever. And they've mapped the N64 controller to the Switch's buttons as best as they can. It actually kind of makes sense, I guess, the way they did it, but there is no perfect way. And GoldenEye proved how horrible that actually is because on the N64 controller, the Z button underneath was to fire. And the Z button is actually L2 on the Switch. Makes sense because it's your left hand, that's where it was, but that means now you're playing GoldenEye and to shoot your gun, it's L2. And it's like immediately like, ah, this, I can't do this. I need it changed. I'm, I've got 26 years of different controls now. Like, what do I do? Um, the, in GoldenEye, there was no free aiming either, right? There was no second joystick. So it yeah. was four yellow buttons, the C buttons, I think they were called. Up made you look down if you pressed up. And then if you pressed down, it made you look up. It was reverse. And then left and right was like strafing left and right. And you had so the they have... thing where you held down the R button and you had the weird, like, sort yep. of, like, iron sights thing, but it controlled so weirdly that it wasn't really yeah. better for your aim. Yeah, so now you're moving with the joystick as normal, but remember in Goldeneye, you didn't move and, like, move around freely like this as much because if you were holding forward, you moved forward. As soon as you turned the joystick, you kind of just did a full turn and didn't kind of keep moving forward unless you were aiming that way directly. So it's mm -hmm. more like this very janky left and right, and you'd use the C buttons. But again, you're using the C buttons, and in a normal FPS, you want to hit up on the right joystick to look up. You do that, and in Goldeneye, you look down. And then you hold down because you want to look down, and you go up. And then you want to look to the left, so you use the right joystick to look left. No, no, use strafe left. To look left, use the left joystick. Like, it's so backwards on everything that the solution people found was to take the Joy-Cons off the Switch and switch them in your hands. Literally hold them in the opposite hands, and then it's actually a normal FPS shooter. And that's something where it's like, why wouldn't Nintendo just... You don't need it to be 100% the way it was. The way it was doesn't translate to today at all. Just change the button layout or give us the option to change it. Add some overlay into the Switch Online service kind of thing. On Xbox, they did do that. So it is a little bit more of a remaster in the sense of that they fixed the controls and they upped the textures. And I think it's 4K widescreen on, on Xbox for a lot of the scenes. And it's like, it actually has the normal right joystick where you can look normally and just shoot. And you can aim if you need, but like, it's not as bad. It's so disorientating. Um, like you think it would make sense. Like, yeah. oh, it's a first person shooter. No, the right trigger aiming is so messed up that I just stopped using it because it does a lot of auto aiming for you. Yes, you gotta like kind of retrain yourself. Um, <laughs> but I found it to be very playable because I came right from the Switch. 
I tried to switch. I couldn't beat the damn level. I couldn't even beat the first level. I loaded it up on the Xbox and I had the first level done in like a minute 45 because everything came back to me. I just went through it like I was still 16, like right. in my basement. Um, so I think that it's very important to have quality of life improvements if you re-release a game. Whether it's mm -hmm. a remaster or especially a remake, do not leave things the way they were if they were broken. This is your chance to fix that um, you know, instead of it being like 26 years old. If it's a remaster, again, graphics to me, Goldeneye, I think for me is fine. Again, nostalgia, I grew up with it. I'm used to what it is. I didn't expect them to do a whole new remake. Um, mm -hmm. But if they did do a remake and it looked like this, I'd be very disappointed. Because yeah, again, if you're a new player and you're looking into this, like you're thinking like, this controls like ass. Why would I play this? Yes. And it's kind of like a remaster is like a $40 game of re-releasing something and just making fixes. And a remake is like an $80 game where you're building it again from scratch. And I think that's where the difference comes in with like Dead Space. It looks beautiful. It looks amazing. Um, kind of like the new Last of Us game did. Uh, mm. It gives people a chance to play it. Maybe they didn't change the story. Like The Last of Us, I assume the story is pretty much just the exact same in the remake as it was in the original, they changed some of the trophies around, probably some quality of life stuff, but it's more just, let's remake this game with brand new graphics, make some changes, and release it with no changes to the story. And I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, Resident Evil remakes two and three, and I'm assuming four, kind of same thing. I think the stories are unchanged. I didn't really get very far in the old games, um, but like it's all about the graphics and the change to the controls and stuff. So I think it's depends on the game, um, and, and the amount of effort that's going to go in. I think if you do a remake, you got to be willing to change everything to make it better. Don't leave anything bad or it's going to look bad on you. If it's a remaster, as long as you upped the graphics and made some quality of life improvements. And when I say up the graphics, I mean, sorry, just like the resolution of the game, not actually change the graphics. People won't be upset at you because it's just giving the old game that they didn't have back. And if you leave it the way it was and, and make it kind of crappy, like, say, the Chrono Cross remaster that Square put out, it's not good because, sure, they upped the graphics a little bit, but they didn't really make any other changes, and a lot of the annoying stuff was still there, and people were like, yeah, why? It's just, like, it's they just didn't the do quick, anything. Like, upscale, and then that's it. Call it a remaster, yeah. and boom, give us money. Yeah, like, that's not even a remaster. It shouldn't just be a straight-up upscale job. Like, there's so many easy ways to make things slightly better. And like you said, with Goldeneye, even just a small tweak to the controls can change the game a lot because of just some of the annoyances that there used to be. Yeah, and I think that keyboard and mouse thing would be super cool. As someone who's actually... played that mod, it's like I can't imagine playing Goldeneye any other way now. Yeah, like I think that would be a huge game changer. I can understand why they couldn't do that on a console, but it's Xbox. Like they have Game Pass on the console and PC. Put it on PC, do a Steam release too, because people will pay... Like, like, make it obviously twenty five dollars or I was gonna Canadian. Say, you could or charge something. thirty, and people would be like, "Yeah, screw it, I'll do yeah. it." Yeah, I think if it was thirty or less, everybody would buy it. Like, I would play it as long as it's on Game Pass, and if I ever got rid of it, I would buy that on Steam if with the mouse and keyboard controls, just for fun, just for the odd guys' night where everybody gets together and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, if you could get the yeah. multiplayer working on that too, and just obviously, you know, get rid of odd, just 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 the lead odd job from the pool. Yeah. What was your What was your like favorite weapon? in like playing multiplayer not counting the golden gun because that's not fair i love proximity mines that was my favorite those are fun i think i just liked the ak-47 the moonraker laser oh mm. that was a good one too with paintball mode on because it made no <laughs> sense 
<laughs> DK mode always. Yep. Yeah, take that odd job with a big head. Now you can't win. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't dodging shit now. Uh, what what was your character that you guys normally played as? Do you remember? I think I played as like the snow the snow guys, like one of the snow commandos. Oh uh, yeah. I think I played Boris a bunch. Oh yeah. I was helicopter pilot. I don't know why I oh, went to that. Yeah. I just saw it one day and I'm like, ooh, a helicopter pilot. That's so funny. And then that was my guy for like the entire time I ever played. I'll play it again. If I go into the multiplayer, I will be being helicopter pilot. Yeah, I think I did that or I yeah, you're right. I think I did helicopter pilot a lot too. The helmet looks so cool. It did. And the faces look stupid, so like, (laughs) no one wants to have a face Well, it's N64. No face didn't look stupid. (laughs) And now it looks worse because it's, they've upscaled it so it's like 4K, but the face still looks like this flat thing. You can just see it more clearly now. It's like, now now you can see just how bad it was back then. What is this, Max Payne? Because of course, we were kids (laughs) and we were all like, man, this is so realistic. It's never going to get better than this. Uh, I can't wait to be 80 and look back on like Uncharted 4 and be like, oh, I thought this was beautiful. Uh, it looks <laughs> so good. It's, it's funny because we are in that age now that we're like, I don't think it can get much better. Like, and, and like legitimately now I'm thinking, I don't know if we can get much better. I think it's more just getting the fluidity down and just like, like you can, it's minor detailing. Like it's just, you know, getting rid of things like pop in. And yet probably when, you know, we're all in our 50s and 60s, we're going to be looking at if consoles are still going around like the PS8 and being like, Son of a bitch, it's still getting better. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we look at it because I always thought, like, I looked at stuff like Assassin's Creed and I was like, man, it can't get any more real than this. And you look at Assassin's Creed now and it's like, nope. Yeah. Nope. Like, I think there'll be, like, I think honestly, when it comes to things getting better, I think it's going to be less the viv, like, the vivid detail. I think now it's going to be more just it not all looking the same anymore. You know, I, I've said it so many times before, I can't wait for somebody to take, you know, take the reins of what a proper open world game is. And it's just a small map, but everything is unique and everything is traversable. Like imagine being like, I don't know, like it's a detective game, like an LA noir type, but literally everywhere you go, you like, you can like, obviously you can't just walk into everybody's house, but like if there was a convenience store, if there was a restaurant, like you can walk into anything and they're all individually done differently. There's going to come a point where that becomes feasible whether it's, you know, AI generating a lot of the work and then then, then somebody coming in and just de- quickly detailing it and just patching it up. Like, there's going to be stuff like that down the road that makes that much more feasible compared to what we have now, which, you know, when you play, like, Spider-Man and you look inside the windows of an apartment and it's the same three to five, you know, copy-and-pasted apartments. You're kind of talking about, like, Deus Ex Mankind Divided because it was kind of like that. Yeah. You're in a small neighborhood and, like, the stuff that you could go into was not cookie-cutter. Like they had their own little like environments and maps and like there were stores that you can go into. There was like buildings that you'd go into. Yeah, like depth would, like that'd be more common because I'm hoping we get to we finally get to a point where like developers stop going, okay, let's have a map that takes you three hours to walk from one end to the other on. Because that'll make people want to play the game. <laughs> and collect seventy-three different flowers for an achievement. <laughs> Gee, I wonder where that anger comes from. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe any... with sorry go ahead oh i was just, just going to say maybe with goldeneye they'll decide to release a remaster of the goldeneye remake from the wii when they did it with daniel craig or they, when they actually that because that game was a dumpster fight <laughs> it was that's how you don't remake a game that <laughs> that is yeah, yeah that is the exact thing where it's like 
okay, you couldn't do the same thing again, so maybe that's the point where you stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But not. Does anybody have any oh. last thoughts on Remix before we move on to our, our last thing of the day? Nope. Good. Well, I'll go on to a new game. So, Halen, can you do can you do the bit for Untimely Reviews? You, you got the uh, bit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not influential enough nor rich enough to get games ahead of time and play them quickly. So we play Unless games on, on game our pass. own time. We play games on our own dime and on our own time, bringing you Untimely Reviews. And for once, it's not untimely. Hey, it's it's January. I actually finished a game that was released in the same year that it came out. What what, what an amazing thing to happen. Thanks, Microsoft. Everybody clap at Adam. You know, hey, I'm not talking about playing a game that was released three years ago. Hey, we're we're, we're catching up. But no, I got I finally got around to trying Hi-Fi Rush. I was playing Persona 4, and now I've dropped that for a bit because I think my brain realized why I can only play so many games about four times before eventually it's the same thing again. But, um, you know, I was on the weekend, I had my girlfriend with me and I was just trying to think of something to play in the background. And I was like, oh yeah, this thing looks kind of neat. Like it looks very comic-y. I kind of like the idea of trying this out. And the first level came in and I went, uh-oh. Oh, I'm in trouble. This is really good. <laughs> so, so Hi-Fi Rush, it's like we said, shadow dropped, giving me a reason to think that Bethesda is capable of at least, you know, releasing some sort of game that isn't, you know, uh, a game that just works. I'm not kidding. No, this game actually just works and is actually really, really fun. So the best way I've kind of explained it to people is if you take like your, like take your favorite 3D platformer from like the PlayStation era, like whether it's Sly Cooper, Ratchet and Clank, or if you want to go like Mario 64 kind of ish sort of deal, but I think Sly and Ratchet and all those kind of make the most sense. And you just add like a rhythm elements like Crypt of the Necrodancer level stuff into it. That's Hi-Fi Rush in a nutshell. Now, unlike Crypto the Necrodancer, where being to the beat is pretty integral, this doesn't have to be. If you're on lower difficulties, it's a little more forgiving on your timing. You So you can butt mash a little bit if you want, but the entire game revolves around the rhythm of it. So like everything from like little environmental stuff on the map to the cutscenes themselves are in beat with the music. So you'll notice like if something's getting punched in a cutscene, it is to the beat. So like they've done, they've gone out of their way to make everything rhythmic, and I love that alone. And then you take the graphics, which I can best explain as like anime and comic books, you know, getting together and having a baby, and they honestly like meld between the two. There are moments that I feel like I'm watching, you know, these very like 2.5D animes that we're starting to see come out, like the new Trigun. They just uh, did a new Trigun series that kind of has like a similar state where it's. It's anime, but it's also 3D at the same time. That's kind of the vibe I get from this. And then they also have like their, you know, mission report cutscenes where it's comic like. And I, they have, so they kind of bridge the two. And from what you can see just from the, the style alone, like how vivid the colors are and the comic, you know, text that shows up on the screen when you're doing hits, almost like, you know, you're in a Batman comic where you're just expecting pow in the background. It is such an unbelievably quirky game. The voice acting in this, the way that the characters are designed, and in the later in the post game, you can actually buy uh, like outfits and pieces for all the characters. So like you can have even wackier stuff towards in the post game if you want to mess around with that. But like even all the enemy robots, they actually are quirky too. Like they're not just beep boop. Like they have like the um I can't remember what the the secretary's name is from like Monsters Inc. But the really like low tone like miserable like secretary. They have like one of those robots that's a Tef secretary robot is exactly that character. You have like 
your cleanup robots that are like Willy from The Simpsons, where they have the really thick Scottish accents. They have like the stoner level robots that are just like, yeah, whatever, man, just just do this thing and let's let's get out and be done with it. And then they have like the really meek, shy robots that are just trying really hard to not, you know, fall over it so that, you know, you you have to help them back up and they're useless until then. So like even down to the small NPCs, they all have their own special quirks. And then the party members that you have along with you, they're very well written. The bosses are fantastic. Like it's it's the same trope of like, hey, here's the five or six evil you know, henchmen that you got to get through before you get to the main baddie. They all have their fun little quirks. Like the first boss you encounter is the operations woman. And she's this gigantic muscular, like pro wrestling, like over the top. Like she has a boss, like a belt, like a wrestling belt that just has boss on it and just speaks in like total, like I'm Hulk Hogan doing a promo brother. And like just straight up shouting at you constantly. Like, Everything is so over the top and exaggerated and it's so quirky. They do the the Marvel level banter between the characters, but it's not cringy. It's actually like a lot of the stuff is really funny. I've there was a couple of points in the game where I was crying laughing because it was so well done. There's one point where I won't spoil it, but you're saving somebody and they do the trope of you constantly accidentally getting hitting their head on doorways and they keep going with it long enough. And then they pause and then they just do one more little thing on it. And I was just like sitting there just it's it slaps to comedy done well. So in terms of its overall quirkiness, they do that in spades. It is phenomenally well done. Story wise, is it amazing? No, but it's also like a cartoon. So you're not expecting like Last of Us level writing. It's a cheesy like Saturday morning cartoon level storyline. It's like Pokemon. You know that it's not that well written. You're just waiting for the moment that you finally get, you know, to blast Team Rocket into space and be done with it. You're not looking for anything too like breathtakingly like you're going to be introspecting for the next month trying to figure out what's happening. No, you're just there to giggle and like watch really dumb stuff happen. So that part I don't even consider the story even worth really talking about. Like it still has like cool moments in the campaign but it's not because of the writing of the story so much as it's just the jokes or the banter or the levels itself because that's where i think everything gets sold like if i'm taking the dialogue and all the fun like jokes and stuff out of it the gameplay is what sells it the levels are all paced very well some of them are longer than others but they don't ever feel like they're dragging they have a good mix between you traversing the area to here's a small battle arena where you face a bunch of small enemies and then the boss battles all have something unique to go with them and there are two in particular that i won't spoil that i think they did phenomenally well on you know i think like god of war in terms of like say the nidhogg boss battle for example is one that i think stands out yeah there are those of that level of that caliber that i go yeah like i I will actually go back in post game and probably play that again just to experience it because I think some of them are done very, very well. And the combat, and I played on PC and I played on medium graphic settings. The low latency was perfectly fine. Keeping up to the rhythm wasn't an issue. I didn't find myself ever being like getting really high scores because they'll rate you each level like how you did on the timing. I rarely ever went higher than a B because you can't help a button mash when you're surrounded by like 20 things trying to kill you. You can't help but just smack the X button trying to make it go faster. But everything gets put together very well. Like the light and heavy attacks have a nice basis to them. There are certain combos that you can do that work really well. You have your special moves. And then as the game progresses, you have some party members that you can call in 
that do special abilities like one that gets rid of shields actually well technically two of them get rid of shields but one of them's like a laser shield one of them is just like straight up like just a big bulky shield that's just impenetrable and then you have one that will get rid of like flames if you're looking to someone that's just going to set you on fire repeatedly but they all still help out with like either dealing more damage or like stunning the enemy so you get more chances to get good hits in and they all work fluently i didn't feel like i was relying on one over the other i didn't feel like i was relying on any sort of moves over the other i didn't feel like there was anything too overpowered that you stopped doing anything else everything worked none of the enemies felt cheap none of the bosses felt like you know there was an attack that was just like unfair there's never a point in the game where i felt like you know it was too hard and i played on normal so i was playing on their default and everything felt relatively well put together that i felt challenged enough but i also wasn't you know getting you know my my, my butt stuffed full of you know robotic parts and and everything else so i think that honestly like everything that they've done here for a game that had no marketing behind it for a game that we knew nothing about they did a tremendous job taking what i honestly look at as like you know your old platformers like your sly coopers and making it in this era and they did such a great job that it makes me think like oh my god i would love to go back and play like or if they just you know re-release a new sly cooper game i'd also really love to see that too but like it makes me think of wanting to go back to like the PS2 era and play some of those old games again, because it's kind of the same feeling that I got, except obviously now it's much better graphics, much more fluidity. And obviously with the way the technology's gotten better, there's just so much more that they could have done with it. And they did a tremendous job of this game. I cannot say enough good things about it. Uh, but before I do my score and stuff, I'll let you guys ask any questions you got before that. Uh, I don't have a question, but I just wanted to kind of jump in just because I, I did get a chance to play this as well. I was just playing it, streaming it on my phone with like my little handheld uh, gaming controller. Totally agree with you. This is an awesome game. Super like charming. Characters are awesome. I completely agree. The only thing I'd say, and I mean, this is pretty obvious, so it's not a mark against the game, but it is not a game that I would play streaming. This game has to be played local on like a hard drive just because I was playing it over streaming and yeah i was having a very hard time with the combos just because of the latency through streaming yeah so, it's a rhythm game it's gonna be really yeah. hard to stream again 100 in the same and way I'm, that like, like I you said, wouldn't be able to play like you know like a fighting game for it like this is the kind of game that it probably wouldn't be best for x cloud to be running yeah so like and that's not me criticizing the game that's no. me just trying to play the game on my own and it didn't work that way but yeah i agree with you like having played with it i i everything you said i really like and if I have a chance to play this on a hard drive, I will. So, if if I only had like one complaint at this point, I would have just liked to see like because you basically just have the standard guitar the entire way through. I would have loved to have like different, in, like even if it was maybe different instruments or even just like different guitars. Because for the most part, you're just using the flying V the entire time. So I would have liked to have like maybe just a little more options in terms of that. But like that's like my worst complaint is like man, I wish I just had like a couple more wep like different weapons. But technically, man, you they like go about that with the party members that you can just summon in momentarily. So technically, that's kind of like having more weapons. So it's kind of solving that problem at the same time. I can't Dude, be mad that been so if smart. you're watching on YouTube right so now. Smart. There's a robot cat, and in between levels, you can pet the cat. How are you supposed to hate this game? Dude, I'm <laughs> totally with you. Like with the different instruments, like it'd be awesome if you had like um a situation where like the guitar is like the quick fast like generic melee bass guitar is like the heavy like big hits slower moves kind yeah. of thing that, like, like that'd be there, so there cool. are like guitars you can buy i don't know if it's all the way at the end of the game or if it's just once a certain character comes into play 
you can because I never noticed it until after because I was just going through the game as I normally would. But there are like mm -hmm. certain there are guitar designs like there are different colors. There are different types of guitars, but like it's not like bass guitar. It's not like acoustic guitar. It's not anything like that. It's still just an electric guitar. It's just what it looks like. So like there's no there's no like gameplay difference in the weapons. It's just kind of how it looks. Yeah, I, in terms of the humor, like the humor is right on point too. Like humor is subjective, and I agree with you. Like it was really good. Like I didn't get too far in the game, but and it's not a spoiler because they talk like it's in the preview. But that scene where he like destroys the first few robots, and he's like having his own little like fantasy of being a rock star, and the two robots are there just looking at him, and he comes out of it. He's like, "Oh, hey, did you guys see the guy who did this?" Like it's just it's really clever and funny that that way. So. Yeah, and he and and the main character Chai does a really good job of playing like the dumbest shit character that every time something gets explained to him he just he either goes yeah i know what you're talking about it means this like re completely unrelated thing or he just hmm. simply like he turns to nobody and just goes can someone explain this to me please because <laughs> like everybody sounds... feeds off each other well like you have you obviously have like your your main character that joins you early on in the game that's basically just there to be the smart know-it-all that just keeps like yelling at you because you're an idiot you have like the the very like toned down, like sort of like chill, you know, scientist level guy who he just wants things to be like peaceful and he's he's very meek about it. And then you have later on, like you add somebody into the game that's that's definitely a little more hot headed, but but like they all feed off each other so well that like every single time that they come together and talk about what the next thing is, like if it, it feels like I'm watching like a Japanese anime where I know like the actors are all in a room together and they're feeding off each other rather than just looking into a script. I actually did feel like when they record this and they probably do what we do here in the West, which is mostly just sitting in a booth, but it genuinely feels like there was some camaraderie when they were in the room talking to each other. Like that's what it feels like. It, it doesn't feel like forced dialogue. It feels like everybody was really like enjoying what they were doing and feeding off of each other. Yeah. I remember when I first saw this, I was like, is this crypt of the necro dancer meets sunset overdrive meets kingdom hearts? Like what's happening? But uh, now that you've described it even more, I just want to play it even harder. Yeah, and it's because, not like, too long a game. Like, like if you're not counting like some of the post-game stuff that you can do, or just even like going around and messing around in levels again, like I probably maybe like ten hours at most. And like that, and I that was me still running around the maps because there's a lot of like either collectibles or power-ups you can find, or even just getting the currency that's all over the map. Like just the amount of time I spent breaking boxes because of course you break boxes. It's Zelda syndrome. There are pots. I must break the pots. But like and and like I said, the levels all like there's no point where I felt there maybe one level overall sometimes like felt like just at the very end that I'm like ah okay I'm I'm good to be done and then it was done so it was it didn't outstay its welcome but like most of the levels are anywhere between fifteen to thirty minutes and they're well paced like I said they go well between cutscenes to kind of make you relax a little bit and have some fun and laugh at something a little bit of traversal especially when there's like death traps and stuff like that, or you're exploring and just like finding more currency or finding the power-ups. Then you get into a small area where you fight a few smaller enemies. Maybe they throw one biggie at you. And then by the end of it, there's the one big one that leads into what's eventually the boss section of that level of that level. And like I said, no boss fight sucks. There is not a single boss. Like what I would consider a boss, like that actually has a health bar that you can see. None of them suck. They're all good. There's a couple that are better. Like the second last one, the second last person, actually, the last henchman you beat before you get to the final boss is so good. And the music they use, I think that one specifically, because they have some licensed music, which I didn't admit. They, the game starts with Lonely Boy by the, the, the Black Keys. 
but they have i think nine inch yeah. nails is the other main one that gets some music in there and i think for that boss battle nine inch nails does a song in that i might be wrong i might be mixing it up but like it's such a good boss fight it's tough and it's long but the music is so fucking good and it's just a romp fest and it does such a good job of it and then there's one other boss that again i won't spoil but it's very unique in the way that it sets itself up to and Kind of, kind of, some, not not like the level of like say Sonic Mania where you have like the mean bean robotic machine like one, or this is the one where you suddenly play Tetris for at one point in the boss fight. It's not that level, but there's still one that's good enough that I'm like, that was a cool idea. I would love to see that again. But yeah, like Bethesda or not Bethesda, I can't think of what the actual studio is that that did it right now. But like, I'd have to look it up. But Bethesda's the publisher, but the studio that did this game, because I think they're the ones that did. Oh my God, what was the game they did before that? The Evil Within. Yeah. Yeah. They Which, did a like, phenomenal how? job with this game. Like, I went in thinking, oh, this is pretty neat, too. This might be my game of the year. Because there's this is some real competition, so I guess I'll spoil it. Uh, this is a 6 out of 6 game, and I'm not even hesitant with this one. This is, without a doubt, the best game I've played so far this year compared to uh, Chained Echoes and Not For Broadcast, or the other two I've reviewed so far. It's not even close, and I love Chained Echoes. It's not even close. And... Apart from maybe the new tra- uh, Legend of Heroes, not Trails of Cold Steel, but Trails into Reverie, there is no game on on my horizon right now that I can see beating this. Now, that's not taking into consideration surprises or taking into consideration a game that I don't think is going to be good and ends up being amazing. Like, who knows? Hogwarts Legacy might do that. But I don't see anything on the horizon right now that tops this. And the fact that this is January is frightening because that either means that the rest of the year is not going to be that good we're just getting started, baby, and I can't wait. Surprise drop in June. Hi-Fi Rush 2. High rushing. Earth. They would just call it Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> they should. And you sold me on playing this. Like, yeah. I already was going to, because surprise drop hype on Xbox. Like, that's just kind the of The only there. thing I'm considering doing is maybe, re- is maybe reinstalling it on my Xbox Series X and seeing how that plays in full graphics see if it's just a little bit better because again i was playing a medium with my pc but it was running perfectly fine i didn't really notice any frame drops the only issue that you would run into sometimes is if every time you do a kill and you get into like the slow-mo close-up of you doing the kill it sometimes has a little bit of trouble processing what's happening if you summon somebody right around the same time so you just you're the camera's like stuck inside like the person for a moment but like other than that like Everything is well put together. I didn't really come across any bugs of any sort. Like, this was a very well-polished game. Like, I was impressed by how well put together this was. And again, like, as we've seen with how everybody's singing its praises right now, if you have Game Pass, this is this is a must-play. Unless you are somehow not into, like, cartoony, like, I guess if you're not into, like, over-the-top, like, funny, if you're, if you're just looking for something serious, okay, maybe not for you. But, like, unless you, you somehow hate platformers, which I don't know many gamers who do, this is a must-play on Game Pass. And, like, one of the first things I've ever said about Game Pass. Because most games, it's like, you can get it anywhere else. But this is only available on Game Pass or Steam, I guess. But, like, if you're looking for console, yeah, this is a reason to get Game Pass for a month. Because this game is well worth that, like, $15 of admission. Without question. I would pay more than, than what I paid for Game Pass for this game, knowing what I know now. Yeah, it's a really good game, and I'm excited to play it. But I know Chris has to at least finish Eastward first, because I did see him playing that earlier today. I did start it. I did. I beat the game I was playing, and I was like, all right, Adam recommended Chained Echoes. Now it's time for Eastward. 
Also, Microsoft Rewards had earned 50 points by getting an achievement in Eastward, and I'm like, well, I guess that's decided my next game <laughs> like, for well, me. That, make, that makes <laughs> that easy for me. <laughs> so, now, so now basically, I just got, we got to get a hold of Microsoft and be like, hey, can you put a Hi-Fi Rush achievement in there next? <laughs> uh, I'm actually thinking of getting uh, talking to Alex and getting her to watch me play Hi-Fi Rush, because I've always wanted her to watch me play a game, but like very few speak to her. The thing is, is that she's huge into music, especially like Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that. So the fact that the music of this game and the way it looks, I think I might actually get her to sit and pay attention for 10 hours. Not all at once, but spread out over a month, probably. Yeah, I think I think this is a game like when, when my girlfriend was watching me play the first few hours, uh, she it was definitely interesting her too. So I, I think it's the kind of game that if you're just casually walking in the background, there's something to like about it because it is very it is very visually appealing and it is very quirky. Yeah. And the robot cat. That's probably what will really. How do you hate robot cats? (laughs) Also, I love how it has the like the cartoon anime standards of like names that are associated with things like chai, peppermint, macaron. Like they're they're not true. It's like it's like how like most Dragon Ball characters are named after vegetables somehow. Yeah, like it's just yeah. They definitely went with food. Yeah, like chai is like oh okay. (laughs) My only disappointment is there's nobody in the name in the game named Frappuccino. I was very disappointed. There's an NPC named Frap. You just missed him. You must have passed him. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's the reason to replay it. But yeah, there there is a little bit of post game content where it's I I've I didn't end up going through it because it was like a challenge mode sort of thing. But there is a there is a special ending if you finish that, and I've actually seen it, and it's also really funny. So even that's one of those things. Like I know Chris, since you're the completionist guy, I actually think both of you would would fall into this category. It's it's definitely worth it. I love the way that they 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 do their quote unquote secret ending in this game as well too. Nice. But yeah, as Hi-Fi as Rush. No Go fucking play that shit if you have if you have Game Pass, whether it's PC or Xbox. Unless your PC might have a little bit of trouble because I know the recommended specs are a twenty seventy, so that might be for some people. If like you could play on low settings and probably get away with it, but if you're looking for like the ideal experience, maybe console would be the better way to do it. But if if even if I think I think the lowest requirement was like 1070 gtx 1070 i think it was i might be mistaking like but it was definitely the the 1000 series so like i think it. most computers could still run it but yeah you, you it's it's definitely needing to be a little bit beefier since you are having to want the low latency because again the rhythm is a big part of it yeah and you probably want the 60 fps when playing yeah, you want to get the fluency as much as you can yeah so you'll it like it's one of those things where it's tough. If you're if you're already on medium or low settings and you're only getting like 30 FPS, might not be as, you know, fluent. Yeah, if, if you're on an Xbox, you don't have to think about it. But if you're owning a PC, it's it's definitely a little bit dicier. But that's that's at your own discretion. Yeah. Cool. Well then, first six, I think that's our first six out of six this year so far. Yep, and hopefully it won't be the last. I mean, we got we got 11 more months. I'm sure there's plenty of time. Yep. Maybe not for Maybe Microsoft, for let's see. Because, I mean, they only released, Tom- like, what, seven games? It's Tom a joke, Hart, guys. We know that there's games on Game Pass. Stop it. <laughs> I own all three consoles now. I can't say I'm a fanboy of any of them. I want all of them to be good because I want a reason to play all of them. Yeah. But otherwise, any last thoughts before we, we get this off the air? Nope. nope. Well, then. With oh, that- actually, I do have a thought. I do have a thought. Quick mm-hmm. exercise for you guys. I was playing this. When did, uh, when did uh, Far Cry 6 come out? Wasn't that last year, or am I miss? Am I already like forgetting? No, it was it was twenty twenty one. I want to say 
right that blew my mind i thought like far cry came out in october i was talking with a friend today and i'm like yeah like i'm playing far cry like it just came out and he's like that came out a year and a bit ago i mean you yeah, were wrong about october, october 20- it was just the wrong year yeah october 2021 i thought that game just got released <laughs> yeah it's like the meme where you see you know what we thought final fantasy was 20 years ago and then you see what final fantasy actually is 20 years ago yeah which yeah. by the no. way for those who are spoiled it's basically 10 at this point that's 20 years now so uh hope you feel old now folks that's 22 years now i think yep. oh, no, does that mean because it was 2001 it's two it's 2023 oh my god we're almost there oh my god that meme is turning too oh no <laughs> oh no yeah just one it was just one of those things where i was like wow i thought that would like Great game, though. I'm actually really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Isn't it weird, I'm though, how, like, time has this thing of, like, there are some things that feel like yesterday and it was years ago, and then there are some things that feels like years ago, but it was, like, last month? Yeah. Time is relative. Like, again, I still feel like COVID was a decade ago. That's how long it feels like it's been. <laughs> I mean, I'm we're, we're getting close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like that, that was, doesn't that it? Was just, that was just a quick thing I just wanted to bring up because I was just like, yeah, blew my mind. It's a weird thing. Yeah, for sure. But with that being said, thank you so much for checking out this week's Pixel Play podcast, everybody. Hope y'all enjoyed it. If you want to know more, you have our Linktree link. That is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Pixel Play podcast, where you can get links to all of our socials, link to our Discord, which you should absolutely join, a link to where you can find our podcast at all times. It's linking to our YouTube, linking to where you can find us on audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and many more. Obviously, if you are listening on any of those services, if you were able to write a review or rate us, please do so. Give us that five-star rating. And then obviously, if you're on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to the channel for more content. Hopefully, I'll be doing another stream soon. My plan is to uh, attempt to play Resident Evil 2 and see how long I can last before I go, nope, 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 too scared. We'll see how long that lasts. I give myself about 30 minutes, not counting the first cutscenes. I made it five hours. You'll make it past that. Well, who knows? We'll see what happens the first time I get Mr. X. We'll see how I react to that. Actually, that's a lie. Mr. X, I'm not worried about. It's the dogs the first time I deal with them. That's my worry. They're scary. But yeah, that's a plan to do at some point as well. And then hopefully sometime down the road, we're working on how we're going to set that up. But we're going to probably start streaming to YouTube every every show that we do now live. But we're still working on ironing out the kinks there because, you know, Internet is always functional when you need it to function. So, you, you know, sometimes you got to think about this stuff. It's not like we've had two. Hon- honestly, this is the first show in, in three weeks that we've had no internet problems. The last two shows we've had, we've had some hiccups here and there. So, hey, oh, gee, now we'll that... go live and then literally like Discord will crash or something, right? So, oh, it cut out 45 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll <laughs> come back and be like, oh, apparently audio was just broken the entire time. That's great. But either way, that is going to do it for the show. We'll see you all next week. Or hopefully uh, there's another game that comes out that I suddenly beat and there's another six out of six. Probably won't happen, but who knows? Stranger things have happened because we didn't think that was going to happen this week. So until then, good night, good day, wherever you are. Bye-bye for now. See you next week. Beat it. <laughs>